This is Deborah DeYoung. I'm a design and behavioural analyst, and this podcast is an opportunity for me to chat with industry colleagues discussing identity and behavioural design identity, or, in simple terms, who we are and how we prefer to surround ourselves. Whether you realise it or not, your environment affects you. It's not just about the aesthetics. It's where we discover how to understand ourselves, communicate better with the people in our worlds, understand how to create our own ideal homes and workplaces, and all build environments that are conducive to productivity and joy. Join me today's podcast as we dive a little deeper into this fascinating field. So today I'm absolutely delighted to invite to the podcast Michael Cleghorn. Michael, an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. How are you? I'm great, Deb. Great to see you too. Awesome. How are you managing there in lockdown? You know, we're just out because we're in in Byron Bay, but, you know, we've been in and out of lockdown as much as Sydney because every time I go somewhere, I end up at very few exposure sites that there are up here. So I've been been in and out as well, but it's nice to to know that we're sort of seeing the end of it, hopefully. So look, look, tell me, you know, I think lockdown has brought around with it a lot of challenges, including a time of reset and looking at things with new and fresh eyes. one thing that obviously is a passion of mine is interior design and I look at trend forecasting and how potentially things may have changed because of COVID you know it's a whole new normal and and I know this is your space maybe you can give me a snapshot as to your history and how you come to be a trend forecaster in Australia. Sure so we do two things we do what we call trend reporting and trend forecasting and they're two quite different approaches and it's really important that you you have those two balances. But how did we how did we get here? I started my, you know, the major part of my career was as a brand director at Freedom, building the Freedom brand, but worked with other brands uh, such as Space. I've worked with David Jones and consulted with many Australian uh, companies. And um, what I found when I was a um, looking for trend forecasting was that I never got a, um, a clear commercial perspective of how I could interpret trends and meet a business imperative. Always found that there was these, in most cases, these esoteric artistic interpretations of something that might happen one day based on someone's opinion, you know? So so when I was managing big teams that were product development uh, teams, not just buying teams, we had to find ways to make sure we could interpret trend commercially, knowing when was the right time and the right the right space for it. Awesome. And, and look, I mean, I, I know that you've had a retail background as well. Um, that's primarily been the space for your forecasting, but you also help architects and interior designers. And yeah. the, cha- the challenge is, I guess, and I, I was just actually with Callie Vandermeer, who's a dear mate who you will meet, recently, meet shortly, but... The, the challenge with architects and interior designers is often they are so stuck behind their laptop designing or looking after their business or administration or staffing, and they don't get a chance to do what you do. So is trend mm. forecasting for architects and interior designers really possible? Uh, look, I, I believe so. When I think about architect, like the split architects and, and interior designers certainly for interior designers it's possible and what we're finding is many architects are loving what we what we do for that reason of uh, of being time poor to be able to um 
to really research yourself. But more importantly today, as we've had this explosion in social media, style, shape, colour has exploded as well. So that, that idea of trend is not as lineal as it used to be. Yeah, the, so you, um, it's, it's coming from a research base rather than a, a second guessing and a winging and a hoping. Yeah, and look, yeah. we, we are creatives, like uh, interior designers and architects are, are also creatives. And you can have, and we were having a bit of a giggle about this the other day about colour psychology and temperament. And, uh, you know, certain, I mean, I look at your environment behind you and you're, I, I believe that you haven't profiled you yet, but I believe you're an information temperament. So everything is in its place and there's a place for everything and there's order. Um, yeah. You know, and so we, we we do have to analyze the individual person living in the space but when you're doing places like hotels and restaurants and retail spaces you're designing or specifying for such a broad uh, variety of cultures profiles behavioral design you know it, it's all encapsulated so how does trend forecasting work for you I know that you've got um, a variety of filters that you apply to certain situations how does it work in Michael Cleghorn's world so what we what we do firstly, it's the research. Before you start anything, it's the research. So we have a team that's constantly searching the world, uh, either digitally or physically, assessing and looking at what's happening from um, leading, uh, leading designers, leading trade fairs, leading uh, print media, digital media, um, influencers to a degree. Influencers aren't usually that forward. <laughs> um, uh, but we look at that and, and we go through about 20,000 images a season. And well. from that, we apply a variety of filters. Uh, the first filter that we apply is that filter of aspiration. How are people wanting to be perceived in their lifestyle? And there are six key, six key aspirations. So we look at that firstly, um, which gives a very clear filter about what that emotional connection is that people are. Uh, uh, wanting to align to. Then secondly, it's what's the aesthetic expression within that aspiration. So we look at the aesthetic from a point of view of classical romantic, you know, you know uh, Versace or Armani, <laughs> most people yeah, one yeah. or the other, you know. So is it classic, is it romantic? And then we look at the structure, the overall structure and attitude of the interiors and the, the architecture. Uh, we look at the energy, which is around palette and material and texture. And that, that gives us this process where we can identify four particular, uh, very clear approaches to life. Right. Um, so that's the sort of the second major filter. And the third is the filter we put it is through commercial viability. Right. <laughs> What's happening in, in the cycle? Because uh, you may be, um, some, some, uh, architects, some designers wish to work and they do very well working in that very emerging, um, uh, highly emotive part of the market. Right. Most things happen in the evolving part. So what's already there in the market that's just evolving and growing and finding itself. So we look at uh, what's emerging, what's evolving, what's declining, because some, some aesthetics that are declining are still relevant. And then what is, um, what is enduring, what are the, so, they all have different things that you're doing. So when you look at aspiration, aesthetic, um, attitude, energy, vi uh, commercial viability and cycle, you get a really clear picture of where a design aesthetic might be best positioned for the mar market you're targeting. Mm. 
And how do you how do you work with an architect or a designer? What do you you know if if so if, illustratively if we have a a foyer of a of a hotel, how do you navigate that sort of relationship? And how do you come out with resolutions? Well, yeah, there's there's two ways. Some people just buy our forecasts and look at our system, and they do all that work themselves. Mm -hmm. um, other people, other clients, we will have a workshop with their team because this is a collaborative process. Trend forecasting is not a transaction where you just, you know, really just sell the report. We have the report and we have the science around it, which I just explained, but it's actually collaboration. So we get together with the client teams and talk about what's that aspiration that you're going for? Where does this space need to be in its cycle if it is for a a legal office, front of house legal office, it has a very different look to an advertising agency. So we talk about what's the aspiration, what is what are those style filters, what's the longevity of the style need to be. And as we're working with them, we have our other parts of our team pulling information, images, colour, materials, textures, mood uh, from a much wider database that that starts to build the very basis of a mood board for them that they then go and but it's, it focuses uh, on shape, it focuses on color palette, it focuses on material, it focuses on texture. So there's all those elements that we look at, not just one. I know that we're, we're doing an event together later in the year. Uh, what, what are we hoping to achieve from that event? That event, we're talking about what was really important from uh, Milan and from Paris, uh, the two big trade fairs, the Maison of Chain Paris and the Super Salone in Milan this year, because Again, the research of what's happening there drives a lot of a lot of trend. So again, our team goes through all these images and creates a forecast. And um, so we're going through in that um, in that event what we thought were the really standout things from Milan and from Paris. And of course, Milan didn't happen last year. It's six months late. Yeah, this absolutely. Year. Paris was only digital earlier this year. So this is the first time they've both come back to life in, a, in the new normal or the COVID normal. Mm. So we're really interested to see what the world's leading designers have come up with and then how, that, how we think that's going to be interpreted within the next uh, few years as people uh, are exposed to those new forms, those new materials, those new... Uh, um, what's the look for um concepts mm. how are people going how do we think they'll be interpreted and what do we think is important again based through that process that we use so we're looking at you know in that event we're looking at what do we think are the top five shapes from milan and what were the five top concepts from paris milan is very architecturally based it's shape it's um uh, materially based individually um Paris is more conceptual. So we look at those two things. And so, for example, we look at it, we'll be looking at a chandelier that, that uh, Philippe Stark has done for Cartel and say, what does that mean by mood? <laughs> what does that mean by material? What does that mean uh, by, um, by shape? How is that really emerging shape that he's done for Cartel? How are people going to interpret that? Or what has Pierre Lassoni done? What is, um, what's Artemidi done? What are these bigger brands done? Um, and is there an effect from that with the emotional effects of COVID-19? We'll be sharing a little bit about that. Ooh, that's interesting. Mm. And, and so do you think that COVID has changed the way that we design or changed design considerations? I think it's changed emotional connection. So that, that flows on, design flows on from the emotional connection. So what... 
what we have noticed and, and uh, uh, recorded and researched this year is this increase in uh, joy and playfulness and optimism. So color becoming, um, becoming brighter. Um, we're noticing themes becoming a little bit more uh, joyful and playful. We're also seeing a rise in this and what we call this ambitious approach to life. So very structured and very strong. And we think, we, we believe that relates to two emotional connections. One, this need for hope and joy. And yep. the other, this, this need to move on. <laughs> I want to move on. My life has been on hold for whatever. So that is reflecting emotional connection. And that how, how is that influencing longer term trend? Because they're both really short term pops. So that really interesting thing for us in working with, uh, with people is to say, yep, you're going to see all this stuff happening. How do you overlay that into um, architecture and into interiors? So you, you're meeting that need, but that will be a short-term need. So you're going to get that, that first part of the concept will be important, but the longer-term longer term trend um, is different to that. So how do you marry, how will one influence the other because they're not siloed? And tell me, you know, Australia, we've, we've dodged a bullet in my thinking in a lot of ways with, with COVID. Um, I used to be cabin crew for Qantas. We were having a bit of a giggle about this the other day. It was the only way I could travel the world was serve chicken or beef on somebody else's budget. So what I saw in the States is we were well in advance in Australia than America. It seemed to, I seemed to I'd go back 20 years, you know, in, in, in style and design. Europe was well in advance. How, where, what's your own thinking around how we stand as a country with our forecasting and trends and where do you sit on the timeline? I think Australia's in the most amazing position because it takes the best of both. Um, uh, because we've needed to, you know, when we look at, um, at uh, trend and where trend is going, we say, yep, we look for Europe for what's really, really new. And we look for the US to say, how are they selling it? Because the US are wonderful sellers, whether it be in architecture or not. But we also see that uh, US, US uh, architecture and US brands is ca are catching up quickly. The collaborations that they're doing with um, across with, with, with what I call influencers, really big influencers, you know, people doing, doing collaborations with people like Lenny Kravitz mm. in architecture. Amazing. You know, so that's, that's building a lot of freshness. They both have a different aesthetic though. So American aesthetic is um, bigger, bolder, a bit like their personality. And the European um, aesthetic is finer, lower, uh, softer. So there's that, but we're seeing a balance between the two. Have and of course, a... sorry, Australia takes on the best of both of those. And do you think? Do you think? Absolutely. How and and we and we know that uh, many um, people that are researching uh, trend will, will look at Australia. Do you say, think? Yeah, well, we know they do. We know they do. Leading um, leading other leading trend forecasters will look at what's happening with some key Australian brands. You look at designers such as Greg Natale or the guys at Fenton and Fenton, or a you know, variety of those. These are people that have um, certainly know their aspiration, know all those different things that we're talking about. They're leading. Um, and people will be looking at, look at those designers. Mm. Mm. Where do you think we don't quite get it right? Or where would you like to see improvement? Australia or the world? Well, <laughs> but 
Tell me, tell me both. Give me a bit of both. <laughs> I think um, I think where we can improve. In, I'm going to talk about the world firstly. What I think, it, the, the, of course, uh, talking today, it's not unusual. The sustainability and oh, climate seriously. change is yep. huge. What our opinion on that is you can have a supply chain, a manufacturing chain and materials, et cetera, that all meet um, sustainability requirements. But if the style is not sustainable, it's not a sustainable project. Yeah. And what we mean by that is if you are too on the edge of something, if it's too, I'm going to use the word romantically inclined, for example, a hotel, if that core aesthetic of a hotel is not going to last or not being able to be updated um, uh, cost effectively, it's not a sustainable design. So I think with this polarisation that I was talking about, everyone's looking at this uh, uh, or creating these more polarised um, concepts and designs and interiors underneath that has to be a style or an aesthetic sustainability focus so i think that's where we can we can improve where i think we get it wrong is that we become too homogenized originality is um is suffering because we we're using um many times uh, architects and designers and property builders we know do a lot of research on pinterest and instagram yeah yep. yeah now they're great formats but the algorithm will take you down a rabbit hole where you're not seeing the holistic approach so we think if if um, designers and architects and developers have that really holistic information this is everything that's happening and that's what it's that's what we're passionate about showing this is everything that's happening now where do you work through that for what your brand your architectural brand your designer brand where do you work through that to create your overall aesthetic or your client's aesthetic if you're having to meet a client brief so and this is where the the, the difficulty lies i think and again um i was just having a conversation with kelly this morning that uh, even in a, a an office space and this is something designers get wrong they're designing without the brief in mind they're designing from what's on rote and what's on their you know what, what their normal modus operandi is rather than paying attention to the brief and the client they just keep coming back in with you know things that are working for them because they're in their safety zone and sometimes we have to do our designing based on being in the the out there not not quite safe zone which is exciting and frightening all at the same time yeah. so how, how do you assist people to push them into thinking more expansively or or, or tapping into taking the, a great brief and providing a solution based on a, a brief and not falling into the safe space yeah i think that's one of the, the that's one of the beauty of this process we've created deb and we love to see the lights come on in teams um in teams' eyes, when they say, "Okay, I, I'm quite, you know, many, many brands are quite, quite focused." We said, "That's good." If you're going to a client brief, and you're wanting to do something innovative and original, but all of your research and your awareness is down one line, when you see and your experience, this is the whole gamut of all the style that's happening. You can take elements of each of those styles and rework that into something that is. Uh, aesthetically of the moment and and, and 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 for the future but that is individualized 
Mm. Um, and it's how you, and then how you use color with that, what your, what your grounding and your foundation palettes are, and then how you pop, where do you pop the color or the texture to add that originality? And if you like, keep, keep the, the classic suit, but allow the accessorization um, to, to live, uh, knowing that that's where the update can happen, but the base is, is good. But knowing that holistic area um, is where we see people, people's lights come up. Man, of course, that's happening and that's happening. And that's how do we bring elements of that into something that'll be commercially viable as well? Mm. And it's both sides, isn't it? You are, you're doing, you're, you're designing from the creative side, but also holistically looking at sustainability and longevity. Mm. Uh, um, by way of illustration, there's this trends that come in. I'm thinking about rose gold, for example. Rose gold came in and it was this, you know, a little bit of gold in the pan that came and quickly and left quickly. And I've got people who've bought rose gold Jeeps that are driving around in a car that's gone off trend, you know. Um, how do you avoid making those mistakes? What we say is rose gold is not the trend. Rose gold is the expression of an increased focus on opulence at the time. So what's happening with opulence <laughs> is what's important. Is that increasing? Is that decreasing? Or is a more grounded, earthy expression um, increasing? So, that, I mean, there's lots of people that are going to be out there with uh, from an interior design perspective, with white on white interiors, lot, you know, loose linen cover sofas and bleached wicker, you know, um, that is an expression of a more a desire for more grounded, earthy return to soul. That is the trend. So that's um, so coming back to rose gold. How do you how do you avoid that? It's knowing where you position in this, where you need to position the cycle. Because for some brands or some people, rose gold was a perfect thing to do, you know. But it's then looking at the velocity. So as you're right, some some expressions come in and out of the market very very quickly. So we, we give that a high velocity. Others come in and they move more slowly, much more commercially viable. So understanding, and that's what our research does and where we're seeing a material such as rose gold, or of course, we're coming into the Bronze Age again now. Exactly. But where is bronze being used by whom and where? That helps us to determine velocity, and that's what the researchers do. Mm, well, I'm thankful. I'm, I th I'm thankful that you do this for other people because it 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 just it it comes alongside businesses and makes life easier at the end of the day but also there's a there's a there's almost um an, an undergirding of confidence that people can know that this is a research decision with their specifying moving forward that's the risk you take i mean it's it's wonderful i've done rsls and hotels and you get a chance to be out there and then i'll revisit that space and go what was i thinking you know i i specified a specific carpet for a for an rsl and it was it was fabulous it was just all these beautiful beautiful indigenous um, uh, strong colors it was lovely at the time but I go back now I think it's dated so quickly within 10 years you know it's, it's that longevity that we need I'm thankful that your business is able to come alongside other architects and designers and just give them that uh, researched confidence yeah yeah that it's that it's that process of, of actually considering where does this space need to be in the cycle yeah, beautiful. Where does it need to be in the velocity? You know, beautiful. Some, beautiful. some, some restaurants might want to be in that velocity. 
may not be sustainable aesthetic, but that's where it works. Beautiful. Yeah. So, so tell us about this um, upcoming workshop. Two things. Tell us about the upcoming workshop. And that's in December. We've got December 9th. It's on a Thursday evening. We'd love to see you join us for that, those who are listening. It's a free event. So we're looking forward to being having that unpacked. But next year, tell us about the event next year. Oh, our, 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 um, our workshop on on style and design, how to use our process, how that whole process works. Yeah, yep. that's where we, that's where we'll be taking, uh, taking the group through. How does this, what we call it trend intelligence, because we, we wanted to always create an intelligent, intelligent, intelligent approach to trend uh, reporting and forecasting. So we'll be taking the group through that whole process and that whole science and explaining how do you use that in your business. Um, and uh, yeah, we, 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 that's when we see the lights come on for people. Go, oh my that's God, an I've, awesome I've had, workshop. I'm sorry, you know, I, I want you to do that yesterday. That's what we need now. You I've, know? Had some, I've had some senior architects that come to it that have been to this workshop and say, I've never thought of colour in that way. This is amazing. Now I know how to, to, to teach my teams yeah. how to construct a palette. And, and do you go into do you teach line. teams? Do you go into architectural practice? Yeah, we do. We do. We've, uh, we will um, we'll do workshops either. Of course, we'll be doing a lot of those online, especially with more junior team members who are doing a lot of the grunt work, you know, yep. Yep. and they're not confident to what tone of blue should I use? And if they use that, that sort of structure we've been talking about, because um, colour has absolute attributes to, to structure and energy. And we say, if you're going, if you know where that, where that approach to life is, these are the tones and this is the palette construction parameters that we, we know that creates a really aligned uh, process. Um, it makes it really easy. And also what happens is when you, when you have a business working with that system, everyone's talking the same language. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's talking the same language, so it has a structure around it, and it means that um, senior managers in those those practices are able to give the reference points for why a design why do you use that color? That's not within that within the process that we use around that. So it makes it really easy for for teams to to manage both up and both and down. Wonderful! Yeah. I, I so look forward to doing that workshop. That'll that'll be at Caroma on Collins, and uh, love to send an invitation out and see you on site. We'd give us uh, give us our colour confidence, and we can have a war on white. Do you think? Yeah. Can we have a war on white? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it gives you colour confidence. At the end of the day, you can specify in a confident manner. Um, you know, I think that people feel a, a trepidation or an apprehension in using colour because they don't necessarily understand how best to put palettes together and stay on trend. Mm. Yeah, there's all that difference between do I use, you know, do I use tonal, do I use complement, do I use contrast, do I use clash? All yeah. of them, all of them work. Um, and yes, when people use colour confidently it, uh, within that process, it, it works really well. Well, so look forward to having that for with you with and for you. How are people going to reach you today if they hear and see what you do? It's look, my email address is really easy. It's Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L at mcco.com.au. Really Perfect. easy. Or you can just Google MCC, uh, MCCO trend um, and that will bring up our website. Of course, Absolutely. they can just contact you, Deborah. And you yeah, they can contact me and I'll put you in touch. That's what I do, yeah. right? I connect people. That's my a great connector. Absolutely. So, Michael, thank you so much for today and we'll look forward to being a bit more on trend. Yeah, we'll look forward to uh, December 9, 6 p.m.
See you then. Thanks, Deborah.